relevance and its narrative. This is episode number 741 of The Next Step, August 18, 2022. Hi, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to a 15th season of The Next Step podcast with Father Vazgan. With these podcasts, Father Vazgan provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and, of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take the next step. Oh, good to have you with us. It is a hot scorcher again here in Southern California this August day. It's it's like hitting over 105 today. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, Fahrenheit. <laughs> Can you imagine Celsius? 100? <laughs> it's like your blood would boil over at that point, right? No, no, 105 Fahrenheit. Uh, yes, I'm I'm very sensitive to that. I know. Because we've got a worldwide audience, make sure that everybody knows which scale we are on. <laughs> Not on the Kelvin scale, right? Anyway, good to have you with us. Uh, last week, as we finished our podcast, we got it out into production. And then we learned about an explosion which had taken place in Armenia. And... Um, Subsequently, the information, the news started traveling to us rather slowly. And it's kind of interesting because when you think about how fast information travels these days, literally at the speed of light, right? Because it's it's electronic. But still, the information that was coming out was sketchy. It took a few days for us to figure out. Right away, people turned to the idea of terrorists. And I, I it occurred to me that isn't that really interesting and sad that today we live in a world where that's the first thing you think about an explosion happens obviously you know could happen because of accidents could happen because it's intentional too but right away you think of of terrorists you think of a planned bombing and lot to say about the world we live in today it took a few days and i think that they've ruled out i think I forgot the percentages that they give. And I'm really going to say it's irrelevant at this point. Uh, suffice it to say that there was a major explosion at a fireworks factory, 60 people injured, um, something like, I think it was 12 at the last count, um, that were pronounced dead. There were some missing or are missing. And like I said, I don't want to get into the details as much as I want to get into how we're reacting to these tragedies that keep coming up here in the United States, for instance, and not a day goes by literally that you don't hear about a shooting. And, you know, I'm not talking about just a shooting from the police or from some kind of a punishment. I'm talking about random shootings, truly random people just going out and shooting. You have to wonder, right? What, where are we living? What kind of world are we living in? 
And, you know, a lot of times uh, people talk to me about the absence of God. And we want to make it into some kind of a dogmatic statement or a religious statement, you know, that God is missing. I mean, we don't really need to look far. You don't really need to turn the pages, so to speak, to find what's going on. I mean, isn't it suffice it to say that there is an absence of God when there is no peace? That's how simple it is. Everywhere you turn, there are definitions. There are examples of this hatred towards one another intolerance towards one another, manifesting themselves in actually shooting and killing. And so it's no wonder an accident takes place, uh, whether it's a fire, fireworks uh, depot or whether it's a couple cars colliding, it's inside of a, a home, it's outside in nature, something happens and right away you think about, well, what triggered this? How could this have happened? Was it a terrorist activity? Was it somebody trying to inflict harm upon someone else? I I don't know if that was the case always. And I'd really love to hear from you too. In my recollection, I don't think that we were that uh, terrorist conscious. That somehow whenever tragedy befell on the magnitude of an explosion or something that took away life, that we would automatically think that it was an explosion or some enemy trying to bring harm upon people. That possibly for terrorist motives, because of aggression, because of retaliation, something must have happened. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure. But I can't think of that time. Before, Because now, every time you hear something like this, you have to look for the motive. And it, it's, it's interesting to me because we get caught up with the whys and we forget about the underlying problems that we have. Like you'll hear about a killing, something that happens, and right away they're looking for motives. Just like what happened in Armenia. An explosion took place. And what's interesting... Even more is that what happened in Armenia took place and basically the world didn't even know. The same kind of thing happened in Beirut and Lebanon just a few years ago. Remember the explosion there? It was just all around the world. All around the world. And, you know, this is not a big deal. I mean, it's not a big deal why it's not um, noticed. It's, it's a matter of politics. It's a matter of uh, how critical Armenia is. It's not... It's relatively, not relatively, it is the smallest country on earth. It's this tiny, tiny little place. Nobody really cares what's going on over there. Do you remember when Notre Dame caught on fire a few years ago? This big cathedral, Notre Dame, caught on fire. And it caught the attention of the world. Everybody was focused in on it. And at that same time, we had the reconstruction of the Cathedral of Holy Etchmiadzin. A cathedral that outdates Notre Dame by a thousand years, a cathedral that on the world stage is the oldest Christian cathedral in the world. 
And it needs this facelift. It needs to be reconstructed. It needs to be retrofitted, especially in Armenia, where there's so many earthquakes and everything. It needs to be redone, renovated. And it was at the same time. And the world knew about Notre Dame. Nobody knows about Echmiazin. Surprise? <laughs> Don't be. We're not. Let me say it that way. I'm not surprised. And if any, I'm actually more surprised if anybody would be surprised. Because we know what it is. We know that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, people are following things that have critical value for them. Things that pertain to their lives. In Echmiazin, Armenia, really is on the outskirts. But it's interesting because we always come back and we start asking the question, why? Why doesn't anybody care? Seriously? <laughs> why doesn't anybody care? Why? Do and then we, we, we see editorials, we see people getting out. America should do this. America should come to the aid of this. And uh, these people should do this. And, what are you guys talking about? That's what I mean. I'm more surprised by these kind of reactions. And it's no different than what takes place on April 24th when we when we sit around and say, how come nobody's listening? How come nobody cares? Because we're not, it's not critical. It's not important in your daily life whether or not there is an Armenia or there isn't. This reality is really the starting point of what we do here with Apostle and Armadoxy, but the expansion of the Apostle mission. Like if we have this faith that is called Armenian Orthodoxy, and it is functioning today, and we realize that we are holding the pearl, as Jesus would say, the man who goes in search, the merchant who goes in search of this pearl, and upon finding the pearl of great value, he sells everything that he has so that he can acquire that pearl. That's how valuable that pearl is. And if we have a faith, which I believe we do, and I've actually stated it, to me, I have found the pearl in the Armenian Orthodox faith. If that faith is that critical, it's that important, why am I concerned with the other things that are keeping people glued, but then sloughing off? What am I talking about? Think about what many of the Armenian churches, Armenian institutions do to attract people. It's the bait and switch. It's alluring people in. Instead of selling your product, you sell something else. Last night, suffering from immense insomnia. It's about two in the morning. <laughs> I figured, okay, I'll turn on the TV and maybe my eyes will get tired. Actually, it wasn't that bad of an insomnia. It was just happened to be that I wanted to turn the TV on. And I saw a camp meeting. Oh, this is very interesting, right? Camp meeting. And there was a preacher there. He was talking. He was sharing with the people, his congregation, who was nodding along with them, about planting seeds, and he says, look at the seeds. And he pulls out some uh, different packets of seeds, much like you would purchase at your local store, at your hardware store. Uh, you know, those little tiny packets that sell the, 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 that have seeds in them, germinated, ready to be planted for that season. And he opens one up and he says, these are watermelon seeds. 
the world will always have watermelon because God has spoken into them. And he does the same for apple seeds. He does the same for tomato seeds, tiny little seeds that turn into a a bush. And then you've got these delicious, delicious um, tomatoes. I mean, the way he was talking about it made my mouth water. Yeah, I want one of those tomatoes. And then he pulls out a $5 bill from his pocket. And he says, you see this $5 bill? This too has God's word, God's blessings breathed on it. Like the seeds. Because it's made out of fibers, out of the trees. Wow, I'm gone. Look at this. He connected the dots all of a sudden, right? So it's no longer a $5 bill, but it happens to be a piece of paper that comes from trees. And so therefore God has spoken into them. Anyway, a long story short, he makes the case that people should plant the seeds of faith vis-a-vis money. Take your money and plant it into my ministry. And so he says that, you know, he needs a thousand dollars gift to be planted. And then he went through this exercise of quoting scripture. But it's not quoting scripture like, you know, and Jesus says, give a thousand dollars and you will (laughs) give a thousand dollars and you will make a a two thousand in return. No, he takes scripture from different places. So he'll take a passage from one of the letters of St. Paul. He takes a passage from the Gospels where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Then he goes into the Old Testament, finds something from Jeremiah where he says that, uh, you know, you're happy when you serve the Lord. He finds a psalm that says, give to the Lord, praise the Lord and everything. And so he starts throwing out right and left different passages so that it all comes together in in a nice little package, in a nice little bundle that says, plant a seed of faith. In terms of a thousand dollars, give a thousand dollars to this ministry and watch what will happen to you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting there middle of the night listening to this. I'm going, wow, this guy's actually doing it. He's actually making a case for giving this, giving him money for no other reason except it's a planting of a seed. I, I've got to tell you also, now I, I did fall asleep, so I don't know. But for the amount that I saw, the amount of the program that I saw, there was no reference to, hey, you know, we're going to take that $1,000 and we're going to be feeding the hungry. We're going to be doing this and this and this and this. I did look up this morning. I wrote the man's name down and I looked at the ministry. There's no magic to it. There's no outreach to it. It's just plant the seed. Plant a seed. And since money's made out of fibers and it's made out of trees therefore god has spoken into them and it's almost like the way he he justified it is he took many many bible passages and it's almost like um a ransom note have you ever seen those ransom notes you will go get a magazine and you will take one letter from every ad that you see so that in other words the fonts are all different and you paste them all together and you make a ransom note it's that kind of theology that he was uh, he was quoting. Because it said this in Jeremiah, this in Ezekiel, this in the prophets, this in the, in, in the Exodus, and so on and so on. And then he got the narrative that you have to give. 
But here's the thing. He made it relevant to the people. Because he said, if you give, God will give it to you. Ah, you got my attention there, right? Tell me, doesn't that get people's attention? Give me money. If you give me a thousand, God will give you five thousand, ten thousand. But they cover themselves. You know, if God doesn't do it this year, he'll do it next year. If he doesn't do it next year, he's going to do it the year after. So you're covered. You know, it's not like, you know, anyone could say, hey, you promised me. He says, no, no, no. Look, this is what I said. Listen to him very carefully and you'll see that he's got a way out. Yeah, it's Perry Mason at, at its finest. He knew exactly the words to say. But what got me was that he had made this relevant to the people because you need this. Everybody needs money. He's telling you how you can make money and he's doing it through the operation of his church. I find it repulsive, just for the record. I find it offensive, for the record. And I find it completely anti-theological. Theo, God, the study of theology, the study of God, I find it against the study of God. In other words, there's nothing in there, nothing in his teaching that connected it to anything that has to do with God. It was like a pick and choose and you've got exactly what you want. Because here's the thing. Remember, there's a statement that Jesus said. And I thought of this last night as I'm listening to him. He says something very interesting. He turned to the people and he said, if you give the money, God will give back to you. I was destitute. I had nothing. And I gave a thousand dollars. And right away I walked into this place and somebody came and gave me a hug. I was embarrassed in front of my wife and my wife looked at me. But then the lady pulled out an envelope and says, I've been looking for you. This is for you. And in the envelope was a thousand dollars cash. Wow. A thousand for a thousand, right? Isn't that nice? And God will do the same for you. Until you read the words of Jesus that says, do not test the Lord your God, right? Now, I have to say this because, you know, it was the same message that I did during COVID when I heard some people, oh, yeah, we don't need to inoculate ourselves. We don't need to take a vaccine. God will save us. What? Are you testing God? Sure sounds like the test to me, right? If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down and God will send his legion of angels and they will protect you. They will save you. And Jesus said, you will not test the Lord your God. But (laughs) there it was. Loud and clear. The test of the Lord of God. But again, when he does this, what does he do? He's making the church relevant because all of a sudden we need money. And here's a way of making money that church is relevant. Exactly opposite what we do, right? Because we want to teach people what the word of, of God is. We want to teach people what Christ is all about. And it's not based on what's in your pocket, but what's in your heart. Yes, we can make the point 
that we have responsibility, personal responsibility. But that personal responsibility is towards one another. That personal responsibility is to enact God's kingdom here on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's to make the kingdom come by becoming the agents of God right here on earth. And that's what the church is. So, going back to the original question, what are we doing here? How do we make this relevant? Think about it. We have the key. We have the key. It's 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 so simple. And that's what the beauty of Armenian Orthodoxy, or what we call Armadoxy, right? It's the key. It's knowing that it's about God's kingdom, about peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And now everyone can identify with that. That's something everybody wants. And so you have ultimate relevancy at that point. Ultimate relevancy. Jesus Christ in the center saying, I came so that there would be peace on earth, goodwill toward one another, makes his body, the Christian church, into the ultimate relevant object, right? The ultimate in relevancy. Because everybody wants peace on earth and goodwill toward one another. But we struggle with different ways and we complicate it. We go into the economics of what happens to the poor and how do the rich deal with it. We go into the political arena. How do we deal with different people and everything? But when you come down to it, it's that peace that everyone is looking for. And so now everyone can buy into that. So all of a sudden, if Armadoxy, as the Armenian Orthodox movement... Right now, ancient Armenian, traditional Armenian orthodoxy for today's world is at the center of it. You have ultimate relevancy, something everybody can understand and something everybody needs. So all of a sudden you have made the narrative into a narrative of relevancy. And that's something we all can buy into. Take a break right now, okay? There's, I, I wanted to just explain where we're coming from. When we come back, I'm going to share with you a revelation about this this ultimate relevancy um, that happened to me on uh, last Sunday during the, the Great Blessing, okay? So right now we take a break every week. We listen to a song a day. Give us a little time to digest what was being said and enjoy a tune. Here's the pick for today. Thank you. 
Michael Ganyan doing Passion Tree. That is off of the Ararat 1915 album. Yeah, appropriately, Passion Tree. Making the tree relevant, right? Are we still in the themes and everything? But it'll come into play too, because we're going to be talking about a very special event which takes place in the Armenian Church during the month of August, and it connects us to nature, and it is, of course, the great blessing. And it is about passion. It is a unique passion tree for us. Anyway, in this case, this was Passion Tree. Michael Ganyan is the artist. I will have a link on today's show notes to Ararat 1915, as well as all of his great music. When you've fallen awake and you take stock of the new day, and you hear we had a requiem service today on the first week, or the first week anniversary, I guess it's called, of the explosion in Yerevan at the fireworks factory. And our primate Archbishop Ovnan called together the clergy. We offered prayers for the repose of the souls of those who passed away. And uh, what I started off with today's podcast was about the question of relevance. Why is it that people just don't know or don't care about these things in these remote places? I happen to know about it because I specifically search Armenian news. I, I, I'm connected to the Armenian community. But if you're not connected, you don't know about this. Well, here's the sad truth of life is nobody knows about anything beyond their nose unless they look for it. Think about it for a moment. I know that as Armenians, because being so small, we're always talking about why is it that the world doesn't care about this? Look at what happened in the Ukraine with the Russians invading it, right? Who stopped it? It's still continuing right now. And now here's the real sad story. What are the Armenians doing about it? In other words, we're always asking, like, why aren't people noticing us? What are we doing about others? Do you know that this ministry, the Inishu's ministry, was the first responders? We went out there. We went out there in protest to the protest of many Armenians who looked at us and said, hey, don't you know that the Ukrainians were the ones who sided up with the Turks? And you know what? If you're going to play that game, you're never going to get out of it. We've got to look beyond the Ukraine label, the Turkish label, and the Armenian label and start thinking about people as people. Now, one of the reasons why we can't do that is because we have what's called religion of the afterlife. And those of you who've followed me know that to me, this is a secondary, a secondary part of our religion, which has become primary. And let me explain this very clearly because I always get people 
uh, writing to me and protesting, like, what are you talking about and everything? When Jesus came, when he was born in Bethlehem, Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us, the angels heralded, now there is peace on earth and goodwill towards one another. Now there is the potential. Now there is a reason. There is a means by which we can bring about peace on earth and goodwill towards one another, namely through Jesus Christ. It wasn't about an afterlife scenario. It wasn't about that. It was about the here and now. And I know people get all hung up because, wait, 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 you know, we're going to heaven and others aren't going about it. That's exactly what Jesus Christ was talking against. Because there was a group of elite people who felt themselves chosen. And Jesus said, what are you talking about chosen? Well, they said, we are offspring of Abraham. Like, hey, you know, we are the chosen ones. Jesus said, God can create offspring of Abraham from the stones. What you need to do is you need to be able to live in this world to God's pleasure. And that pleasure is peace on earth, goodwill towards one another. And this came to me this last Sunday during the great blessing service in our church. This revelation as I was reading through the prayers, but more importantly, reading through the Holy Scripture, where this message was very profoundly explained. And let me go back a little bit and explain that on the Feast of Assumption, St. Mary Day, the Assumption of the Ostvazadzin, I know it's very, you know, people with, uh, <laughs> who want to <laughs> parlay the, the uh, theology, they'll say the, the Assumption of the Theotokos. That is the Greek word for the mother of God, the Atokos, the O, the, the God, God's mother, namely Saint Mary. And I've always like said, okay, instead of using the Greek word, why aren't we equally using the Armenian word? Right? The assumption of the Asvadzadzin. Asvadz, God, Zin, the one who bears God, right? Asvadzadzin. The assumption of the Asvadzadzi. That's what this feast was this last Sunday. And within our church, a, a very nice tradition is to bless grapes. It's the first fruits. And actually at our Monday night Bible study, um, I was discussing this. And, you know, because we do ours California time, 7 o'clock Monday night, we have people who join us from Australia because it works out. It is there tomorrow in the daytime, you, you, you go figure it out. It's a Tuesday at the day, Tuesday at one o'clock or 12 o'clock. I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly is our California seven o'clock in the evening. In other words, there's 18 hours ahead of us, 17 hours ahead of us. So, um, Anyway, we have a good contingency of Australians who join us. And when we were talking about this on the Assumption Day, that there's great blessing, I was corrected to to get out of our uh, Northern Hemisphere-centric life. Yes. Remember that there are people who live in the Southern Hemisphere, and namely the Armenian community in Australia celebrate, as well as the people in Argentina, as well as those in South America, celebrate 
the grape blessing service in the middle of uh, of summer, which happens to be January. So they have the blessing of the grapes in January. So anyway, <laughs> just making that correction. And it, you know what? I've got to make a note. I hope somebody will send me a note in January to say, talk about grape blessing. So we could at least talk to everybody who does celebrate at that time. But here's the story, okay? Um, with all the calendars put aside and everything, it's the day that the first fruits were brought to, the first harvest was brought to church to be blessed by the priest. And you think about this for a moment. Yes, in Armenia, the first harvest came about right in the middle of August. They would take that first harvest to the church. And it was the best. It was the best harvest, the best of. Quite different from the way we live right now. We say, okay, this is all the goodness that I have from God. Let me take a little piece and give it to God. Rather, what they were doing was they were taking their harvest, giving the best to God for a blessing. Ah, I know what you're thinking right there, right? You think that I blew it. Nope. Hate to disappoint you. You're saying that, well, what's the difference between that and what you were talking about earlier, about planting a, a seed of money to God? Well, there's a very, very big difference, isn't there? That's right. That's right. There is a very big difference. Because when you take your grapes to the church for a blessing, what are you doing? You are giving back to people. Those grapes that they go to the church are distributed, distributed to your friends, to your families, to those in need. And so what happens all of a sudden? You've got community. You've got people coming together, understanding that there is good will towards one another. And you think about it, the great blessing service is exactly a service about the here and now. Listen to the scriptural passage. It comes to us from John chapter 15. Open it up. I'll paraphrase it for right now, but please take a look at it. John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. If you bear fruit, my father prunes you so that you can bear more fruit. But if you don't bear fruit, you just are taken off until you wither and then you burn. Now, the minute the burn comes in, people automatically do, do the association with a place called hell. And they'll say, ah, there it is. If you're no good, God's going to throw you into hell. So you burn. No, actually, it's not about a future life. It's not about a time to come. It's about the here and now. Jesus talks about the here and now. The metaphor of the vine, the vine dresser, us being the branches is about the here and now and producing a harvest for right now, producing with our lives, making our lives the sacrifice. And by producing, it's not about just the fruit. It's the fruit of our labor. It's about doing what, what we know is right to bring about that peace, to offer means by which peace can be shared. 
so that we can be worthy of the beatitude that says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called sons of God, children of God. Think about it. Think about how circular this is. It's all interconnected. It's not about a future time. It's about the here and now. With the complete confidence. Now, yeah, this is the part that I need to make very clear. Because people are going to say, oh, you know, the guy's like talking against like the future. No, no, no. All I'm saying is that the future is God's. Jesus on many occasions says, set your God, set your uh, set your sight on God's kingdom. Today's troubles have enough. Today's troubles are sufficient for themselves. Set your mind on God's kingdom, and all else will fall into place. God's kingdom is right now. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. That's not about something to come in the future. Right now, thy kingdom come. May your kingdom come right now. I'm ready for it. And that kingdom is right here in this world. That kingdom is what Jesus enacted when he came, when he shared, when he loved, when he sacrificed himself. It was for the kingdom. Saying that each and every one of us is eligible to be a member of that kingdom. It's not for the elite. It's not for the bourgeois. It's not for the the learned. It's not for the ones who Bible bang. It's for everyone. Because we are all God's children. And by being God's children, we find our identity as a world citizen. I have shared with you many times that Jesus was not a Jew. And in fact... It's presumptuous for somebody to say he's a Jew. Son of God. Believe that if you believe that he's the son of God, then he belongs to everyone. He is everyone. And that's why when you come into the Armenian church, you see an an Armenian-looking icon of Jesus. That's why when you go into an Asian community, you see the eye shapes will will look like an Asian Jesus. When you go into a black church, into an African-American church, you see the black Jesus with the curly hair. Because Jesus isn't defined by ethnicity, right? How's he defined? Think about it. The Son of God. The Son of God is beyond ethnicity. We all belong to God's family. Jesus says that. He says, who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who are my parents? Those who hear the word of God and do it. Very simple. Work for peace. Spread love. Understand one another. Peace on earth, goodwill towards one another. And it's that simplicity, the simplicity of the message that escapes us for some reason. When it gets into the field of religion, we complicate it by layers, putting layers on top of one another. One of them being the Jewish layer, the layer that there is the chosen people and so on. You know, these are stories that worked for a group of people. But we are living in a different world today with different demands. And in those demands, we have to understand ourselves as children of a global community. You say, well, wait, now you're bending it, you're making it. Well, listen to me here, okay? When Jesus was walking this earth, the neighborhood, the neighborhood was the world, okay? 
that Middle East, that was it. You know, that, that was what they were talking about. When the apostles went out, where did they go? It, it, it was like the farthest I think they went was Thomas who went to India, okay? There were these different places. Now, at each of these stops, including Thaddeus going to Armenia, at each of these places, they made Christians through baptism and through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming to them by the teachings of Christ that was that that was um, given to them vis-a-vis the apostles. The apostles brought in the new message, the new message that the kingdom of heaven is right now. Jesus Christ has resurrected, and there is an opportunity for all of us to be able to put our sufferings to one side and really understand God's love for each and every one of us. And they went to all these different places preaching this. That was the extent of the world that they knew. We are living in a much bigger world, same world, but now we have access to one another. The West, the Western world was found. South America was found uh, since the time of Christ, right? And we find that, you know, people have evolved in these different areas according to their geography, and we look at life differently. And it's it's that um, what um, St. Paul talks about. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became an adult, I put away those childish ways. And sometimes we think about it, we take offense, we say, ah, St. Paul, you don't know about having fun. No, it's a very true statement. As children, we have a different understanding of God. And as we grow older, we have to have a more mature understanding. A mature in the sense of understanding God belonging to the world and us belonging to God. He's the God of everybody. When you look at these stories of, um, well, take the most one of the most famous stories. You've got the parting of the Red Sea. that The Jews are walking through and God parts the Red Sea. But for the Egyptians, it's flooded. Yeah, they, they, they get killed. And it makes you think all of a sudden that, oh, God's playing favorites with the Jews, playing um, uh, enemy, considering the, the Egyptians' enemies. Aren't they his children as well? Of course they are. Now, these stories are not stories to be taken literally. They are stories to convey a truth of obedience and a truth of submission to God. So they have a, a bigger story, a bigger value for us than the literal meaning of them. Am I saying that these events didn't happen? No, I'm not saying them. But how do we perceive it? How do we understand that story today? What are the takeaways for us in today's life? And this is where relevance comes in. Because when we start talking about these these um, events as two, 3,000-year-old events, you're saying, well, what does that have to do with my life today? Good question, right? Good question. What does it have to do with it? What has a lot to do with them? These stories tell of a truth, the truth of a loving and caring God who's always with us. But once you get out of that and you start labeling people, then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. What about Mexico and Canada? What happened? What about the Americans that were living in the United States? What does it talk to us? Well, now you're in trouble because people start 
taking bits and pieces and applying it to their lives. And it's always interesting to me to listen to American evangelists or let me say evangelists here in America because I don't have too much experience with the the evangelical movement outside of America, but it's very big over here. And they have made Jesus into this this American who's fighting for capitalism and uh, and has a unique message that t- that's almost Robin Hoodish, right? Taking from the rich and giving to the poor. In other words, give us your donation and we will siphon it. We will give it to the poor. And we will do it. There's many, many dimensions and, and people have written about it, have talked about it, but it escapes the primary, the primary purpose of Christ's calling each and every one of us. Come to me so that we can work for peace and to have goodwill among one another. Now that, again, I'll say it, is the message that came to us the day Christ was born from the angels. And it is the one message that when I heard the service last Sunday and actually reading through the prayers, it was very, very evident that this is the direction that we need to head in. In other words, Christ is with us. We need to be connected to the vine so that we can produce here in this world. And what is the production? What is the fruit? What is the grape that comes off of our branches? If not love, if not compassion, about caring, about helping, supporting, in other words, being Christ's body in this world, doing the work for peace, harmony, and understanding. That's it. I still don't get why we complicate it. <laughs> Here's Susie for with her announcement. I'll be back in a couple moments, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll tie it up. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vosgen. Thank you, Susie. And hey, all of you listening, can I get you to mark down on your calendars? September 25th, we're going to be launching epostle.net. And if you haven't gone on our website yet, go, you'll see the countdown clock and you have a place where you can put in your address. Okay, I want you to go there and put in your address so you can get the up to the minute information and news about epostle.net. It's a new service of the Western Diocese, a new ministry where we're going to be able to share with you some incredible spiritual, spiritual um, 
videos, audio, and of course the entire Next Step collection will be there. Our entire YouTube collection will be there, but some great, great new stuff. Among which is some virtual reality. I spoke about it last week. I told you we were going to do it. We did our first, first uh, trial virtual reality inside the St. Leon Cathedral. So now there is a small video that will be premiered on September 25th where you actually come and talk with me. You're in the same room with me. You're in the same cathedral with me. And this was a necessary step that we took so that we could do the bigger one, which is tr- uh, which is to do 360 or make these uh, monasteries that we have into a virtual environments where sitting at your home from your computer or with the VR glasses, you can actually engage with me in these sacred spaces, these monasteries that are sitting in Armenia waiting for us to find the treasures that are there. Please mark it on your calendar and there's more to come. Like I said, put your email address in that spot. Apostle, very easy to remember, that's Apostle with an E. Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronic so go ahead and put your email in there and you'll get the latest okay that does it for today's show i'm going to be in rancho mirage this sunday actually going to be sharing the badarak the holy divine liturgy with a dear friend rafi who is being called to armenia to go and head the uh the opera over there but he'll be uh, he'll be our choir in rancho mirage Please do stop by and say hello. Listen, um, that does it for today's show. Thank you very much for all of your love, your support, all of the comments you send our way. If you want to write to us, we are at feedback at epossible.net. On behalf of our producer, Susie, and myself, Father Boskan, we look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. Stand by for disclaimer. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew Apostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Apostle.net, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. I forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Is that true? Yeah, bye. Happy birthday, Tom.